and welcome to High, Low, or No, the podcast about high, low, or no films. Uh, I'm Joseph Gascoigne. I'm George Seabrook. I'm Martin Gibson. And today we are discussing the 2009? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. 2009 rom-com, whatever it is, uh, The Ugly Truth with Gerard Butler and a lady... Catherine Heigl. Mm. What did we think, chaps? What do you think, George? Um, uh, I think this movie's a low art, but um, and I and I mean that. Uh, I think this movie's evil. I think it evil. is. I think it, uh, I think it is evil. I think it is bad. Like the film and from the I ring. Am, what? Like the film from the ring. A that little bit. Evil. Yeah, it's like the Gore Verbinski, uh, the, the video art film in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's bad, um, and. Um, 30 seconds into watching it, I was giggling like a maniac and couldn't stop smiling. I really enjoy watching this movie because I find it completely fascinating. Like in the way that a train wreck is fascinating. (laughs) I know it's a very, very obvious thing, but to me, this is something that escaped from a laboratory. So were you, uh, you're talking about morbid curiosity, aren't you? Were you laughing at this film or were you laughing with this film? Both. Okay, Both. fair. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is why I wanted to do it um, mm. on this on this series because um, to me, there is no rom-com I've seen from the 2000s that better epitomizes why everyone was happy to see the back of them. Ah, fair play. I did think you had, you know, complicated and nefarious um, intentions, as always you do, George, when I yeah. watch this film, because I'd never seen it before. Uh-huh. As we've said previously, not a massive aficionado of this kind of thing, especially from the noughties. Um, and yeah, so I watched this ahead of schedule, mm-hmm. like quite away for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and then mm-hmm. I rewatched bits of it today. Oh, so, I mean, I have now seen it twice. Mart- Joe has seen it once and a half. Martin, your your view? You know, I'm um, inclined to agree with you, George. This film is a disgusting piece of shit, <laughs> but I don't have that morbid curiosity towards it. Aha. Uh-huh. We get to the first part of the film and we're playing Katy Perry's Hot or Cold. It's definitely a 2000s film. Yeah. Oh, just... And you get to the end and they're playing Flo Rida. Yeah, Spin yeah. my head right round. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> we're, we're, what, 15 films in? This, this is the... This is 15, yes, when we isn't it? This, is the, this will be the 15th yeah. film we've covered. Uh, it's the 14th one we're recording. No film has been anywhere near as bad as this, and we've watched Batman and Robin. Uh, well, but, but oh, I know oh, I, this is this is going to be my question: is is this movie worse for Martin than Batman and Robin, or or not? And and I I Batman and Robin is terrible, but it, it's kind of fun. It like is you really could, fun. You could watch that with a couple mates and oh, be yeah. like, "This is hilariously bad." Mm. This was just pure shite. I I can't give it any higher than no art because mm. it's disgusting the way it's written, the ideas mm. and themes it brings in. It's not a typical rom-com, which I've not got anything against the idea of breaking the mold, mm-hmm. but not in this way, not in a misogynistic, fucking horrible way that this film does. And if this was made now, well, I don't think this would be greenlit now. I don't think anyone would allow this film, and rightly so. <laughs> that that's my piece. I yeah, I really didn't like this. This is gonna be really fun, Joe. <laughs> it might be fun, but it also might be quite short. I think I agree completely with the <laughs> both of you. Um, yeah, it's a piece of shit. Um, I think it's shockingly badly written. Mm. Um, I think the saving grace is Butler, and I think two thirds of Heigl's acting, I think, is yeah. you know they're good. Um, and then it's saved by a few stock, you know, sort of characters and tropes. Um, the thing I would say though about this film is it, it, it made me s- it smile a lot. Uh-huh. It never made me laugh out loud, I don't think, mm-hmm. but it did make me smile. Um, and for that reason, I quite like this film. I did go into it, and when I was thinking about it, especially today, I was thinking, is there a way we can sort of play the whole art angle? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can make an argument for it being called low art. I'm, I'm, I, I, th- I think so. And yeah. we could do that. We can play around with that if you like. Yeah. But there is no escaping it is a piece of shit. But not yeah. in a good way. No, it's... Um, so... Let's just back off. Like calling it sexist is interesting because it was written by three women, which yeah. I find insane. Like I, th- I haven't really done a lot of research into this film, but yeah. you mentioned that on our chat, George, and I can't believe 
and maybe it's just a sign of the times and that things have changed and quite frankly for the better in this respect but um i can't believe three women wrote this film and thought it was okay yeah i really can't it's whew, so Karen McCullough is listed. Holy shit! She wrote ten things I hate about you and Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde is like a bizarrely proto-feminist movie about the Barbie who went to college. I, that movie is delightful, and it's directed by the director of The Ugly Truth, so they clearly got along. Um, so that's one of the writers, and, and then the other one is Nicole Eastman, who only whose only credit is The Ugly Truth. Um, yeah. So this movie. Um, what I mean when I say it escaped is when I first watched it, I, I kind of think this is a rom-com that's been dropped on its head too many times as a child. It's clearly just got the the weird sort of kind of like Friends with Benefits where it's like, what if we tried to like liven up the dusty rom-com fantasy tropes by by saying like, we all know how it really works. And we all know what the fantasy's like. And we all know this. And then we hit them with the, we hit them with the left in surprise and say, ha you're really in a rom-com guys. You're going to fall in love. But um, the, the thing that's, I think, the, 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 by having Gerard Butler, who just um, exudes toxic masculinity, be the lead of a film as a, as a romantic lead. And I do think this is his first rom-com credit, like certainly as the lead. It, it is making this sort of like deranged misogynistic arguments uh, the whole time. And for 45 minutes, basically, I think the movie is fascinating in the levels it's willing to stoop to to try and play into those um those uh, misogynistic ideas so before we go any further can martin can you explain to me the plot of the ugly truth since you've watched it the most recently i will but i need to ask a question before we go any further all right was this your idea to put this film yes, in this 100%. season george and was it for the reasons we're discussing now yeah, 100%. Fuck's sake. Right. Like, yeah. no, I mean, what did you say? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just like, like I said, like, I, I was going like, guys, 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 how do you feel about this ro- romance list? And, and you sort of went, I have some ideas. I have some, But this is the one I was keeping in my back pocket the whole time. I was like, we have to talk about this. This is the, the killer. This is the thing. Yeah, and I'm really happy we're on the same page. Oh, my God. I'm really happy about that. Joe, had you, had you heard of this film? before never heard of this film never seen this film knew that jared butler did a load of this kind of dross and that you know loads of generic other actresses Mm. had done similar stuff um i wasn't expecting it to be quite as um as it was if you know what i mean and well you don't know what i mean um i i think this film is interesting and we could start to make some arguments um because i sort of see it as this is a comedy film with romance in and that's the way it comes at rom-com. Whereas I think most rom-coms, they're, they're romantic films with comedy. Do you know what I mean? This, this is almost mm. like Anchorman with a romance story built into it, which, which I quite like. And I think maybe we could talk about that. And then that would bring me more towards seeing this as a piece of low art than no art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Martin, what's the plot of The Ugly Truth? So, you've got... Uh, and I will apologise because then I cannot remember the names of the characters because they, they, they were boring. But um, yeah. the there's the woman who's like a producer at a news station. Abby, played by Catherine Heigl. That's the one, Abby. Um, and she's single. She's like going on a date with this guy, and one of her coworkers is like, "Oh, yeah, you're going on a date." And then she fucks it up, and she has this ideal romance in her head, and she thinks it's you know it's waiting for her, it's going to come, and then she's. She's in her house and the TV's on and it's Jared Butler's character. Again, can't remember his name. Uh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Is it Cadaway? Uh, yes, Mike Cadaway. Yeah. Um, and he's got this show called The Ugly Truth. And it's all yeah. about he knows what women think and, and how they work and why love is a sham and lust is what it's all about. And of course, any... Well, any I was going to say any women, but any any person really should be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. Like, she calls in and tells him what an asshole he is, and he just kind of fobs her up. Basically, says you're wrong, I'm right, and then he starts working with her. Next yeah. day, she goes into work, and he has been hired by the news station. 
So she's because now... of her call. Oh yes, that's the yes. implication. Because of how well that went for him, he gets a job at this uh, at this news broadcaster. And so she's producing him and his show. The Ugly Truth has now gone on to this news station. It's not just him presenting the news. He's doing his bit. And he's yeah. doing really well. And she's getting more and more wound up. But while she's doing this, this doctor moves in next door to her. And then they start mm-hmm. to get along. And she's really interested in saying, this is the perfect guy because he's a doctor and he's smart. And he has a great resume. And he's got a great body. And, you know, the stereotypically Likes- handsome guy. Yeah. Likes dogs, more of a cat person. Yeah, and all that stuff she said. For Emotionally him. mature. Yeah, all that shit. Um, so then this guy that knows all about women and how they work and how men work. Mike, That's the key thing. He knows he says, how men work. Yeah. And he's like, just tits and ass. That's all we want. Yeah. So he takes it upon himself to, oh, sorry, Mike takes it upon himself to help Abby get this guy next door. Tell yeah. her what to do. Even as far as putting earpiece at a baseball game. <laughs> so while she's on a date with this guy, he tells her what to do on the date, which leads to I'm not even, I, I'm not even going to say what it leads to. Like I'd say watch the film to find out, but don't watch this film. Um, and it gets to the point where they're they're bonding more and more at work, and while and through Mike helping Abby to the point where they start falling for each other. He's a bit closed off because like love doesn't exist she's like why am i fooling for this misogynistic asshole and of course because it's a rom-com they end up together yeah pretty much there's a lot more that happens in the first half of the film than the second half of the film yes so i've just kind of skipped over like half the film there but you get the idea i really do think like when i was watching i was like holy shit there's like no they just stop being together for like a 10 minute chunk but it's only after the whole go to be on the late late show with, with um uh, Craig Ferguson mm-hmm. and then uh, you'll get the audition and then I go work somewhere. I was like there's there's a there's a ten minute window where they're not there and then suddenly he's back and they're back together and I'm like they don't even it it really this is why I mean like it escapes it feels like the studio went what the fuck have we created quick cut it down cut it to ninety mm. minutes and boost it out of there and they said like just cut out that bit we know they're getting together but yeah. Uh, I really, whoo, that's an excellent description of the plot. But when you mentioned the date at the baseball game, I had a sudden flash of like what happens there. I, cause I watched this a few nights ago and I had forgotten that because there are so many like heinous moments of comedy in this film that I am so amazed at just the, like the bravado it took to, to do that where it's so like colossally dumb. So yeah, um, before we turn this into a pylon fest, is there anything at all that either of you, because I'll have my own things, like about this movie? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like the chemistry um, between Butler and Hegel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think whenever they were on screen together, I was sort of hooked. Um, you know, when they weren't on screen or as soon as just one of them was on, you know, my mind was wandering and thinking, oh, you know, w- w- what's going on with mm. Twitter and the FTSE and stuff and what, what's the Queen doing? Whereas as soon as they came back, I was like, oh, no, this is this is in- this is interesting. No, interesting is a bit bit much. This is good. Well, it's not good, but <laughs> yeah, this isn't shit. Um, I, I will give this a bit more attention. So I thought their chemistry was good. So that's good casting, I guess. Um and, you know, when they're being cute or when she's being sort of dipsy and dumb and, you know, revealing herself and how their finger develops their relationship, I, 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 I like this. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick my fork in the ground and say, yeah, I, I like that. Any examples of such moments? When she finishes the date with um, Handsome Doctor Man, mm. um, they sort of, uh, did they kiss? I think they kiss. Um, he goes back into her house. She into his house, sorry. Yeah. Um, she pretends to go into her door, but then runs and, you know, jumps into Gerard's arms. And like, oh, it worked, it worked, it worked. It was all fabulous. This is really sweet. Uh, I, I quite like this. I don't remember that bit spe- specifically. I more remember the bit when, like, her doctor has rescued her from the tree and and he's still holding her cat when he closes the door on her and then she's just jumping and dancing. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's an example of the ditzy, yeah. um, whatever her name is, Yeah. Um, which, which is nice. Michael. Um, and then, yeah, like so was, earlier I said there were lots of things that made me smile. All through that baseball scene, mm-hmm. that made me smile. She's on a date with a doctor guy trying to, you know, be good and do what Gerard's character is telling her to do through an earpiece. Um, which, you know, he gets distracted, so then she's saying stuff that she doesn't mean. And 
it's it it made me smile. It didn't make me laugh because we've seen it a thousand times before and since. I think. Oh, um, you've seen a, a girl at a baseball game in films. Be mistaken for giving a guy a blowjob. No, but I have seen like Family Guy, <laughs> and that that's the sort of place where that kind of joke happens. Um, mm. I think you know. Th- the writers were just so shit they couldn't think of anything wittier or funnier to do. Um, but, you know, no, just the bits, again, when it's between the two main leads, mm. or the two leads, when he says something because he's distracted, but then she says out loud and it makes no sense. This is, this is it's not funny, but it, make, it <laughs> makes me smile. It makes me chuckle. <laughs> You're trying to backtrack the fact that you did involuntarily, because this is the thing. Comedy is involuntary. Like laughter, it's involuntary. And you can feel bad about laughing at things, but it's entirely involuntary. So if you like laugh at how preposterously stupid she's being while he's just clearly not talking to her and she reacts like he's she should be reading his lines, which is just phenomenal, uh, extravagant stupidity on display. Um, Or that you find when they're dress shopping, like I quite like them when they're dress shopping because that's the model of like a classic sort of uh, rom-com thing is it's Pygmalion slash Cyrano de Bergerac where you're like, ah, you don't understand a thing? Well, let me teach you. It's, you know, that's what we do in fucking She's All That and that's what we've been doing in My Fair Lady and doing it for centuries. It's a great premise for how to um, get people to spend time together mm. because they're forced to dress each other up in for forms mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they think will appeal to each other. And then when they're undressed, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, you they, they both have a reason to sort of like emotionally undress themselves and become closer. So it's a good premise for... Uh, like a romantic dynamic. I wouldn't say, you know, it by by no means original, but I don't give a shit. Like, who gives a shit about originality in a rom-com? What I care about is, as you say, Joe, chemistry. And I, in, in the scene where he's being just so monstrously <laughs> misogynistic and objectifying and the, like, um, the, the, the sales assistant is lapping it up about what, um, you know, needs to happen to Catherine Heigl's breasts. He says, like, I need something that will make them sit up and say hello. Mm-hmm. You know, He's really, I think, just kind of funny. It is like the, the ooh naughty little chuckle at the thing you shouldn't be saying. It's you know, and where you're, I'm watching it going. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe that they read this and thought this was okay, but it is a a, 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 a it's a it's an arena for that toxic um, behavior. And the movie never like throws it into sharp enough disdain where you should be, you know, concerned that you like it. Which is like, again, this film escaped. It shouldn't be allowed to exist. <laughs> Martin, is there anything that you liked at it, about it at all? You know, all through that whole time you guys were talking about it, I was trying to think of something that I like about this film. Mm. And I'm not convinced there is. And that's probably me being stubborn and not being able to look past the the content and the themes of this film. Mm. I would probably say that, yeah, Jared Butler was quite good. That is good casting because he plays that toxic masculinity well. Um, but even past that, I don't think performances were anything standout. Not to say they were bad, but they were just, they were just fine. Um, yeah. The script is atrocious. So, the directing no. is also really odd. Like everyone in it is so burnished. Like they're so fucking orange. I know they're all in California, but you what you look at like a nightclub scene and, and it should be dark and Jared Butler's skin is shining like he's wearing a, like yeah. his skin is wearing a high vis jacket and it's orange and it's just oh what what the fuck are you doing lighting these people like this? Jared Butler's from Scotland. Like he hasn't seen a tan in his life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I gave it one and a half, and I'm trying to think. Mm. Well, if it's one and a half, there's got to be some things that are okay. There's got to be something because if it's abs, everything's awful. It, it's half a star, you know. But yeah, I don't think this film deserves half a star, but I don't think it deserves not, much more. Like maybe it's just not special enough to be that n- that maniacal. Well, it's, it's not even special. I don't think special's the word. Like I really think this is just really twisted. That's good. I think also yeah. um, the thing that really annoys me about this film, and the reason I would remove you know half a star if I was so inclined, is because I think it thinks it is special, and I think it thinks it is doing something, and and, and I think these th- writers maybe had an idea of something to do. That that scene at the baseball game where she, it looks like she's wanking him off. I think they thought that was really funny and original, and like oh look at 
this, this crazy situation she's gotten mm. herself into. And I was just sitting there like, oh, for fuck's sake, eye roll, how boring and predictable. Yeah. That applied to the entire film. Like, so it was boring and predictable. But I think they thought that, you know, it was being quirky when mm. it wasn't, or it was being really risque when in actuality it was just being really blunt, you know, almost like a, a, a some shit stand-up in a crappy nightclub. Or yeah. it thought it was being really funny when it didn't make me laugh. Or it thought it was being a bit provocative and, you know, like really throwing the misogyny in your face. Like, you know, oh, let, let's make him really misogynistic um, and then put a spotlight on it and show how ridiculous that is. And that didn't even work because it just came across like... That would never happen in, in, in a shop, you know. Imagine saying that sort of shit. And so I was just sat there with a the mouth open, you know, mm. in, in sort of shock and dismay and then kind of weird bemusement rather than actual shock and awe. Yeah, I'm 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 completely with Joe on that. Um, mm. I think, and this is a thing I've noticed through my severe lack of watching rom coms, but from the few I've watched, the ones that try to not be rom coms while still being rom coms take themselves so seriously. And like Joe said, it feels like these people think they've done an amazing thing by look at us. This isn't your regular rom com. Oh no, we're adding misogyny to the mix. <laughs> Whereas like. <laughs> Something like Isn't It Romantic, that one with Rebel Wilson, the Netflix film, was a similar thing where Rebel Wilson was this independent woman who doesn't need to be with anyone. She's just herself and that's fine. And the film ends with her getting the guy. They were so Mm. set in that film on not being a rom-com, getting rid of all the tropes, for her to just end up winning the guy she wanted. It's like, well, you've just gone against everything this whole film has stood for. And, and that, I, I haven't seen that because Rebel Wilson gives me hives, but um, that's fair. Yeah, I I know from the premise. I thought this was a very good premise. She bumps her head, which is not a good premise, but she bumps her head and wakes up in a world that's ruled by rom com tropes. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's like the the ideas might be there, and with at least for that, there's no misogyny involved, and it could be interesting with a better script and a better cast. Mm. But it, it just wasn't, and then it just fell foul to every trope it was trying to tell you it's not. It just did in the end, as if it didn't matter. And with this one, it feels like, oh, look at us. We're doing something different. And it also feels like we're going to make a Judd Apatow film, but we're not going to mm. make a rom-com. We're not going to remake 40-Year-Old Virgin, but you might as well watch rewatch 40-Year-Old Virgin because it's 10 times better, yeah. and it's not a, as offensive as hell. I don't think of this as being very Apatowian. Um, I, I think... I think the comedy elements try to do that kind of thing. Like, not necessarily like, let's copy 40-year-old Virgin or anything like that. But it's like, let's try and make, as Joe mentioned earlier, a comedy that has some romance elements in it. But I also don't even see the romance elements. There's no romance in this film until the last 10 minutes when they get together, where you've just shoehorned a bit where, oh, let's dance, or, oh, let's make it overly sexual, just to kind of shove in your face that these people like each other, even though they've not shown anything any kind of interest in each other until the last 10 minutes of the film. Mm. And then, it, yeah, it's just so blunt. And it's like, so this isn't even a romance film. It's not funny. So what <laughs> is this film? What the hell is it? Yeah, that's fair, actually. And, and the point on romance is a very good one, actually. Just because mm. it involves a, 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 a pretty boy and a pretty woman and they kiss, that does not a romance make. No. And like you say, the whole premise, right, is these two people, they're chalk and cheese, um, and, you know, she's a real perfectionist. He's kind of the same, but the opposite, you know, it's just pure about sex. Um, and then, oh, obviously what happens, they fall in love and realise, oh, it's all about the actual person, the soul and the heart. But then, you're right, Martin, in that the film completely fails that, it, you know, its own premise, because they have absolutely nothing in common that we, as the the mere viewer, are allowed and to see, apart from physical attraction. And, mm. and this go- this leads into, I guess, character development. There is no character development. Those characters are the same as they were from the start of the film to the end of the film. So why does she fall in love with a guy that is still clearly misogynistic and doesn't respect her? And then the whole idea of her at the start of the film is... Sorry, I can see George live because I'm just getting so worked up here. Um, <laughs> no, you just made me think like, of like how he doesn't change, how the thing that, for me, I would just hang my argument on this. At the end, he says, I love you even though you're a psycho. And the movie exactly. that this it's is like, romantic. You can't say that. And then <laughs> and he goes, and I can't believe I just told you I loved you. And you're focusing on the fact that I also called you a psycho. And I'm like, I, yeah, but people in real life, you haven't 
spell, spun the spell you think you've spun, movie. Like, you can't convince yeah. me that this woman isn't going to be offended by yeah. that. And the movie wants you to. And in the meantime, they're in this hot air balloon and the background looks like a fucking screensaver. It's, it's oh, insane. It's, it's awful. That's why I'm like, this is the movie. Like, unlike Isn't It Romantic playing on the script, like, ha, they've fallen into rom costume. Like I said, the movie's bumped its head on the fucking table mm. and just so many times and it's just completely deluded itself, which is why I find it so insanely fascinating because this is where the culture was. Oh, it's this is awful. what they thought we wanted. Yeah, and do people, uh, like, obviously we weren't old enough to watch this kind of film and understand it for what it is back then. But I hope that's not what people thought because fuck me. And the thing is, go, sorry, going back to, to the character development, obviously that was his character development was zero. Now, Abby did have some character development, but that doesn't mean it was good character development. Oh, no. no. She was this wound up woman who worked really hard, which isn't a bad thing. But, you're tr- but they try to portray this woman as like she's worked hard to get to where she is. And there's, there is a bit of understanding of like the whole idea that maybe a woman would have to work harder to mm. get where she is compared to a man. And she's quite proud of that. And that's, that's decent. OK, that is one thing that this film starts out good but she's so stressed out and wound up. And the film tells you, no, you shouldn't be a stressed out, wound up woman. Joe, what you need to do, you need to masturbate. If you masturbate, (laughs) you'll be carefree. You'll be- Now I will say this. It's the only good bit of advice the movie has where he goes, if you don't want to have sex with yourself, why would anyone else? Yeah. Which I think is excellent advice for like dispelling the shame around female masturbation. The way but, he does it, except for like that bit, is very like it's not even like necessarily alarmingly misogynistic because it's the only time he's trying to be like he, he can do it in a way that is positive. I think that sort of advice, even though it's for his own benefits in a way, but like that he can't even say masturbation first. He's just like flicking the bean, and and you get a full body oh, shiver. You're God, like, why? Because yeah. oh, <laughs> he is fourteen. Um, no, you are yeah. actually George, and you know when you watch a film and there's a line. And it, it's just so sort of mark out good that you must think, no, they heard that somewhere. And like, I'm going to write this down and use this in a film because that is actually the one good bit of advice I think he gives. But it is very RuPaul, isn't it? You know, it's like, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell is someone going to love you? Mm. Um, is very true. But it just, it does stand out. And in a way, because it's so good, it shows how shit the rest of the script is, which is a pile if of shit. that's the standout line, we're struggling. Well, yeah, it, it feels like it comes out of something mm. else, but it is like this this misogynistic guy. He's like he doesn't want a woman who can't enjoy herself while they're having sex with him. Whereas the guy at the end, which is another thing where I think the movie almost gets it right, the guy they get to replace him on the ugly truth is comically evil in his misogyny, and which mm. is why a, the ugly truth is kind of this apologia for the casual misogynist, because the guy they have like replaced Mike with yeah. is like, ha, I can, here's how you know I know what men and women are like, because I've had sex with 130 people. Well, actually, if we're not counting the ones who weren't conscious- The people he raped, yeah. <laughs> exactly, and you're like, wow, this guy looks like a serial killer and he doesn't seem to have any shame. And also it makes you understand why Jared Butler is special and why Mike is special. Because what he's saying is only a fraction worse, but yeah. it's kind of more, you're kind of more okay with it because it's Gerard Butler. Like it's I true. said, the movie is this evil apology, apology for yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that toxicity. Like, how many crowbars did these bloody writers have each? Because again, that <laughs> character, like he was crowbarred in because they like, oh, we've written and made this film about this awful pile of, you know, this this dreadful twat. We need to get an even worse one. You know, it's like a, in a, in a video game where they have to get a, a worse and worse baddie. Someone you can or like Doctor Who. Oh, you know, this time it's the end of the world, and next time it's the end of the solar system. It's like the end of the universe. You have to get an even worse dickhead so that Jared Butler's character wasn't the absolute monster that he'd been portrayed to be. Therefore, they could kiss and fall in love. You mm. know, in the very next scene, it's just shit writing again. That's that's what I was about to say. It's like. So we've we've drawn a line. So the point is, if a woman says no, it doesn't mean no is the line. But but this film is telling you that besides that, anything is fair game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically telling you, and you think like the type of audience for rom-coms are young couples, like women, and they'll take their boyfriends to see it. And you're telling these guys that could be like 17, 18 and don't know what the fuck they're doing. I didn't at that. I still fucking don't. And... They're telling me that's okay. That as long yeah. as if they say no, you accept that, that's fine. 
And it's the way but, the movie tries to sort of walk it mm. back because the thing yeah. is, the movie has so much fun with him being misogynistic. Like, it can't hide how much fun it's having when he's like, here's my show of the ugly truth. Here's a regular romantic evening. Now, here's what the guy wants. Girls wrestling in jello, the, the naked yeah. bikini twins. And um, here's what I want to happen to you. I want a little boy to get a remote control for your vibrator you're wearing, and he's going to make you come during your dinner, our important corporate dinner, and I'm going to know about it and then just not stop it. You know, the, the, the sort of things that it's going to say, this is what men want. And then Gerard Butler has this, like, you know, this nephew and sister who basically live with him and he r- remains a good male, moral, re- male role model for his nephew and they have a nice relationship. And he's like, no, 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 don't watch my show. So he knows his own bullshit. Like, this is what makes him forgivable is he doesn't fully buy his own bullshit. And then you have Craig Ferguson in just the masterstroke of a fucking movie because Craig and Gerard feel like people who get along in real life. They feel like they would do that. But Craig just goes like, ah, you've introduced us to the whole, like, you know, this is what the ugly truth is, this is what you believe. You're full of shit, aren't you? And he just calls him out right, mm, out right. Yeah, and you're like, good. I'm so glad that the mo- that he knows this. But again, you're, you're like, this movie, this movie, you can tell, is having a little bit too much fun at all of the gleeful um, misogyny that it is presenting. And it isn't smart enough to make any observation about why it might be fun for something like that to be encouraged and why it ultimately may be more damaging than the fun you're having. It's instead just like, and at the end they got together so quickly, which I have a lot of feelings about how this movie must have come into being because I don't know anything about it. And I really want to just, I want to go to like, like uh like the like fucking i don't know variety or somewhere say like look there's this film from 2009 called the ugly truth will you pay me to write an oral history of this because i'm fascinated how did this turn out what was it what did it start as yeah anyway where where did we start i uh, I don't know george we went on a georgia tangent but um to go back to something you mentioned um that bit on the tv show uh when he goes on you know all guns blazing big dog um, all of a sudden he becomes, you know, rather than a big fish in a small pond, he now becomes a very small fish in a big pond because yeah. he's on this big TV show and the guy says, you know, so who was he? Who was she? You know, who made you this screwed up guy, basically? Which I think is, if we're looking for saving graces in this film, that is A slash the one um, because it shows all of a sudden Gerald's character is kind of on the back foot and I think it's quite a good way of doing the necessary, oh, you know, he's not a monster, he was made a monster, he's a real nice guy deep down, do you know what I mean? Rather than have him on the sofa with the girl after a bottle of wine saying, like, oh, my my mummy was an alcoholic Mm. or whatever. Um, This was a much better way of doing that. Mm. Um, Obviously, it was necessary, you know, this is just a cliche of this kind of film. Yeah. But I did quite like that way of doing it. I also like that after that, and Martin, they they go to the restaurant, they go to the bar, and she's like, so so what exactly happened? What was the woman that broke me? He said, like, it was multiple women for all these different reasons. And I realized they don't really care about me. And red flag goes up in my gut. I was like, I'm sorry, Gerard. I love you to pieces as an actor. This character is reprehensible. Who is he really under the surface? If this misogyny Mm. thing is the protective layer that he's created, who is he under the surface? The best bit of under the surface is him like thinking he could hook up with Abby and then sort of maybe realizing he's wrong place, wrong time and walking it back. But like at that point, I'm like, well, this is just the rom-com thing that happens where he's trying to be the decent man by not getting in the way of what he thinks. is, And it's like, but you're, you're telling me this is the protective layer over your real personality. Who's the real you, not the hunky guy you see. I don't have a fucking clue who the real you is. Yeah, we never do, do we? Um, I was going to say, that that's one of the most frustrating things about this film is there are points where you can start to see the seeds being planted for some real character development and they're just ignored. Like, like the show would have been a point where he's just been straight called out and that could be a point for change. He's like, holy shit, and have like an epiphany moment. Or the bit where she speaks to him and says like, oh, so who were th- who were these girls that hurt you so bad then? And there could have been like this this really like quite frank discussion of like, well, you're the common denominator. How do you know you weren't the issue rather than saying this one was a psycho, this one was neurotic, this one was a bitch. 
and he could have again had that epiphany moment of holy shit it must like maybe i was the issue and he really tries to change himself for the better and that's where the romance could start because she sees he's making an effort and that would have been well for me anyway that would have been a much more interesting route to go down and a much less offensive route to go down because mm. i don't think this guy deserves to be the winner at the end of this film to get the girl he wants he should be the villain in any other film he would be the villain and he, yeah. like the idea would be he's the one that's going to steal the girl mm. he doesn't care about women he's the bad boy that they all want you know and yeah. he's just not in this he's he's you should be rooting for him apparently that's that's the idea but hell no am i not rooting for him yeah. like not I mean, a chance but like like who are the people we should be rooting for like the, the alternate guy to gerald butler sucks yeah, he's boring yeah he's boring you don't know if, and that's the whole point is you're not meant to like him and that's ridiculous because he's clearly the better guy he went all the way i don't know where the fuck she was whether meant to go to lake tahoe and she went on that business trip i can't remember where they went but he went there to surprise her because she says she likes being spontaneous so he listened to her and tried to be spontaneous but they like, do very clearly make you see like oh no he was excited about having sex with her that's why he came to the but she was excited about having sex with him and they discussed it as that was yeah. what was going to happen over the weekend it was an occasion they agreed as a couple and then that was taken away from both of them but then he decided to do something about it that's great he's clearly a nice guy he's like he's clearly like a decent guy that cares about her but he also falls into the same Jared Butler trap where he's like, oh my God, women who have like neuroses and control things, boring. I like spontaneous girls, which is, you know, that's fucking gone girl logic, you know, where where it's like, you know, no, no, cool girl. That's what I want. I want cool guy. And and she, in a moment of very good vulnerability, she takes fucking the hair extensions out. You're like, all oh, right, she's always had the fucking hair extensions in. But Catherine Heigl's character, how are we supposed to root for her? She is like, a, I'm sorry, am I too loud, darling? Yes. Okay, so Catherine Heigl's character, how are we supposed to root for her? She's, a, she's like never met a human being before. She's... <laughs> She's she is like a rom com version of the Meg Ryan trope of the the quote unquote flibberty gibbet who's a little bit like controlling a little bit together but also just a little bit um, awkward and she just apparently has never had any human interactions. You, you do want to say how did you get to producer of a news broadcast station when you have no social function whatsoever? Like you don't know how to behave, and yet you're obviously a quite well-paid job and obviously have had to work up to that like how are you here how have you managed this it's the date she goes on at the beginning where she doesn't even like it's not even a surprise for him to discover that he, she's had a background check on him mm. she brings it up yeah she says like oh by the way this was in your background check but that's and that's annoying as well because it's shit writing because it's just zero to a hundred at first she's weirded out by a friend for printing off his dating profile and then all of a sudden she's doing background checks and she's printing off his profile or, or sorry she takes the printed off profile to the date it's like so you know it's wrong two minutes ago and you'll question it and now you're like you're taking it out in front of your date and telling you telling him you've done a background check like th th this character's not it's not a character it's just writing for the sake of writing to just fit the plot. It's like, yeah. it's just shit. It really is just lazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, it, for me, it feels like the writers of this who are, again, they're all women. It feels like after doing something like Legally Blonde, which is so fun at like putting tropes on its head, I think they set themselves a challenge where they're like, who are the worst people we can imagine? And can we fit them into this? And to be honest, if I were... You know, if I'm like imagining the alternate version, I'm not sure if this was supposed to be a rom-com when they wrote it. I feel like they probably wanted to write something like Broadcast News, um, which is an 80s movie in which there's a th uh, sort of like a, a, a three-person love triangle at a at a news station in, in Washington where Holly Hunter is the producer and Albert Brooks is a producer as well who wants to be a newscaster and William Hurt is also is the newscaster who gets hired and he's got the, all the flash and the panache but he's got like no uh, real values and Holly Hunter's in his ear and making great TV and Al Albert Brooks is the guy who's had the crush on her forever but they're just close friends and it won't be anything else and that's all like a, uh, a love triangle and it's about like the, the environment they're in 
or they wanted to make something like um, an old-fashioned screwball comedy where you're like, okay, these two characters have sparks. They have like a lot of um, energy together and it's kind of fun to watch them play off each other. Are the characters supposed to be together? Possibly not, where it's all about just creating the community dynamics. Like there is a weird, like the movie doesn't look like it because it's too polished and shiny and also has like, when your third biggest name actor is John Michael Higgins, who is an excellent comedic actor, but if he's your third biggest name actor, you have a fucking problem. Like, that's part of the, the thing where I'm like, this movie feels cheap. How did it make 200, 200 and how many million dollars? Mm. It feels like they probably wrote it thinking, can we, the scene where he's like in the jello pool and she whispers, she goes into the mic and lick the jello off her finger and she's orchestrating it for good television. It feels like they wanted more of that energy. They wanted more of them like, ah, they can't stand each other, but boy, they make it good work good. But after that, there's none of that left anymore. It's just all in on her, him trying to Pygmalion her into mm. the ideal woman for, to like get her laid with this hot doctor guy she has a crush on. And they just abandon the newsroom and it, and it falls into the rom-com stuff. And that's why I like the first 40 minutes because it's like they've convinced themselves to make something really, really um, just heinous where they're just sort of giving play to the heinous stuff. And that's why it peaks with the sort of remote control vibrates where I'm like, you, you shouldn't be allowed to do that now. That would be a problem where it just so thoroughly steps outside the reality of a scene for a joke and yet you're trying to like sort of elastic ping me back into a rom-com, uh, a, a romantic development. One, one, what, what, how are you going to pull this off? They can't pull it off. And it's fascinating to watch them try where they've got like nothing supporting them. It's like a high wire act where everyone's falling and landing on the concrete. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny to me. I, I, you know, this is one of the things I'm going to say. It's another frustrating thing is normally when we've done these podcasts, and we've watched a film, but we, we understand it and we know what it wants to do and we can discuss exactly what it's trying to do as a film. We can't tell what this film wants to do with itself and we're just speculating ideas that the writers or director might have had, but we've not got a clue if that's right or not. We can only guess. Mm. It's so muddled and all over the place and it's just... <sighs> I, I really don't understand this film for what it wants to be. It, mm. does it want to be a rom-com why is there no romance does it want to be there's, there's, it's void of any real comedy bar yeah. a fucking blowjob joke and if it wants to be like a an on the nose satire and like pointed look at it's, the development of like news in the world like it like it could be like fucking network where it's like the, the, the standards of modern newscasting are in the toilet now because we've yeah. let this misogynist on the air. And you're it's, like, well, yeah, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a good reference. And then you're just going, no, 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 rom-com, streamline it, go to the rom-com, go to the rom-com. Yeah, it's, it's not self-aware enough to be like taking these tropes and getting rid of them for the point of it. It's just doing it for the sake of lazy writing. And like you say, it could the idea of being in a newscast feels like it was there for nothing more than to bring these characters together because once they start working together, the news does not matter. Mm. So, like, like you said, you could have it about she's like really driven because she clearly is driven by her work, but nothing's ever made of that. Mm. Like, she just turns up to work, they see each other, they go home, she goes on a date or like with Colin or does whatever, and then she's back at work, and then she has a dinner for work, which is never actually mentioned. Remember that time where she goes on a she was about to go on a date with Colin, and then all of a sudden they have a they bring the date with them. That's another yeah. thing where I'm like, no, yeah, it's okay it's for like... him to just not be there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it's, it's it... a weird way that the writing is so in itself misogynistic, you know, in accidental ways. So like you say, her job is meant to be so important to her, you know, she's really career driven. But then as soon like you say, as soon as a handsome boy comes along, you know, the writers forget about her job entirely. Yeah. And, you know, it's just another vehicle, isn't it? Because I don't know, it, it feels like these writers have never ever set foot in a, in a news studio in no. their lives. You know, it's just so farcical. Which, to be fair to them, if they're like, we don't know what a news room looks like, so we're not going to touch that, then okay. But take a fucking risk because this film couldn't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, but like so many things, it's just vehicles, isn't it? Like you say, you know, for these stock character scenes to happen, 
Which is kind of okay if there is character development. Yeah. Which there isn't. There's not. Like, like if there's a reason for the newscast being there, like we said, she could have been really career-driven and that's what's getting in the way of her relationships is her job. And that's fine. It doesn't feel forced. It feels natural because that is a relatable thing. That's happened for lots of people. Well, I mean... But what you're describing is uh, literally a film I watched last night, Morning Glory with Rachel McAdams, which is much more about her job. Mm-hmm. And she, on the side, has a romantic relationship developed with Patrick Wilson. And that movie is funny, and it's very good at the, like, the sort of job stuff. And it's a little small, but it's, I, I find it very, very charming. And this just doesn't have that. This movie hates Katherine Heigl's character in a yeah. way that like, it makes it easy for the audience to hate it because she's so comically incompetent. At like, yeah, based, like at being a rom-com star, she's terrible at it. <laughs> on that, you know, about hating Heigl, um, if there is character development, it is the destruction of Heigl's character. Um, you know, she begins as really career-focused, very successful for whatever reason, woman. Mm. Um, and by the, you know, who who is against, you know, um, dirtying up daytime television or whatever. You know, she's got her principles and she's focused and, you know, she, she has ideas of what, what news could and, and should be. Um, Butler's character comes in and ruins that. But then there's never there's never um, reconciliation or, or like her returning to her principled state. You know, the film ends with her um, still working, well, working with someone even worse than Butler's mm-hmm. character and then, you know, snogging him in a hot air balloon. I mean, you know, so that, he ruins her principles. Yeah. I mean, is that bad writing for her character development or is that more indicative of the downward slide of a local American news show? Has it's all been bought up by Fox? They're all just willing to go along with the downward slide into a hellscape ruled by misogynists and the... And even apology, really, yeah. really principled people like Heigl's character. I, I, I love that, you know, this film is so shit, I can't even remember what Abby. these... Um, Abby. You know, which is, you know, yeah, even someone principled like Abby has to go along with it by mm. at the end of the day. What I would say, which, I mean, that would be a really good take. Yeah. I'm not sure that's true. Um, but that's but where I feel like they probably wanted to make that I'm movie. Sh- well, yeah, which goes back to what I think, you know, I've said and I think Martin said... That you know, there's a lot this film thought it could do, and they thought they were doing, and they've just failed across yeah. the board. So this is why I like it. I can't decide if it is a, a, a just complete failure from the creator's part, where they just like they just thought they were so they were so clever at being in on the joke, and then the joke just completely gets away from them because they don't have the management of it. Or I, well, I'm inclined to believe actually happened. The studio just like interfered or when they read the script it's like no 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 no, no. rom-com this is what it's got to be and it just right. got interfered with to, mm. to, to sort of like fit a mold and this movie was a fucking huge success when you consider that like i mean like over 200 million dollars have you seen did you check how much money it made joe because it's insane i did then i blunked out my mind because yeah. it was such a big number and which is disgusting and, and, and you makes you think like Catherine Heigl has been on the record about the movie that launched her career, knocked up, thinking it's bad and bad to women. And I'm like, what? Mm. Did did you... Maybe she forgot about this film Maybe she well. forgot about this film. Like, this one happens, like, a year or two after Knocked Up, which I love. I really love that movie. It is... That movie is grappling with how its female characters are a little bit unbearable. This mm. movie makes the, the fact that the female characters are unbearable like just part of the joke on them. And it's that's just worse. That's so much worse. Yeah, and like, you know, you say female characters. <laughs> what female characters? There's Heigl's <laughs> character. Um, I think she has a friend, doesn't she? Which is just a sort friend of whose joke stock. is she's horny and lonely. Oh yeah, I yeah, mean which same is girl, but worse. come on, oh, like <laughs> even worse. And then the I was gonna say literally at the start they like go through the news, the, like well, the office yeah. and show all these different people that do have I guess you call it recurring roles in the film, yeah. but they're not characters; they're just faces to show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she works at this place, yeah, but, but that's as far as Brown as from community shows. Yeah, up. exactly. I saw it, it's like. You know, like a decent, like, decent like a, re- a, a good in a comedic scene. Yeah, a recognizable actress in this film. And I'm not convinced she has more than the three lines. I do think that was probably like before Community had started, but it is just like a dis. It is such a waste of her. Yeah. And either way, it's just another character. It doesn't really matter who the actresses are mm. or even the actors in these scenes. They're not there to be characters when they've been, like, they literally get a shot each at the start of this film. As if mm. they are a part of this film, and they're just not. They're just ignored. And it's like, 
what was the point of this whole tour around the news office? Mm. What what was the point of it when we're not getting the point any is, of these is, characters? Is how she handles it. Because they do that whole tour is one shot. Like that whole little thing is just, it's a continuous one or on her and her moving through, through the environment. Mm-hmm. You're like, God, she's got control of this, but she can't handle a date. It's like, no, her control of this is sort of comic because everyone is so ludicrous because she's got a husband and wife team as, as anchors. And then her lack of facility with basic human interaction beggars belief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like, wouldn't it be nice to have these characters fleshed out a bit and they could either, they could pick up on the fact she is socially inept or mm. they could just completely blindside and just like, oh, that's Abby, you know? And have like a relationship with her as co-workers just to give a bit more depth. It's just, it, I'm not asking for much from this point. Just basic film writing. Yeah. Flesh <laughs> out the world a little bit rather than just have two people and the other guy. There's more yeah. to the world than that. You know, you can't, you don't like No Strings Attached, Joe, but that movie is so much better than this movie in how it uh, makes a community feel. Thank you. I was trying to remember the name of that film. Yeah. And I think because didn't we speak about that, that there are good extra characters, like the secondary characters in that are really good. I wasn't that bothered about No Strings Attached, but that film fucking blows this one out of the water because there's an arc, there's characters, there's a world built around them. And any film with like Natalie Portman, Greta Gerwig and Mindy Kaling, it's going to be better than this piece of shit. It doesn't matter what they do. But still, that film felt fleshed out. It felt like a film. This mm. does not feel like a film. This- yeah. It feels like a Frankenstein. It like it's it's escaped from a lab somewhere. Yeah. And the villagers must gang up with torches and pitchforks I, to hunt it down. You just hope like the people that wrote this like this is just like a social experiment to see how yeah. people reacted to it. And then it made a lot of money. It's like Holy shit. People well, let's, let's just it. let's and just go with it then because people seem to like it even though it's fucked. And let's just yeah. let's just roll with the success. And then the like, same year, 500 Days of Summer which is like it's a it's a, not a rom-com. It's a mo- it's a movie about a love, but it's not a love story. And you're like, okay, I have problems with that movie, but it is at least trying to veer away from traditional rom-com territory in a lot of interesting ways. And then there's Crazy Stupid Love as well, like two years after this one, which is also trying to veer away from it, but instead like finds itself finds it can't escape the gravity of the rom com trope, and it it like kneecaps the movie. And that is also like that is a casually misogynistic movie in a lot of ways that are insidious. This one's not casual at all, but like but like I said, the, the 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 cavalier nature of it is so like so funny. Like like the baseball thing, which is so dumb and makes the character look so dumb. There are loads of rom-com tropes about the about like the, you know the characters fall over themselves and they look a little bit ridiculous and it humanizes them and this movie just takes everything too far. It takes every single thing too far, and yet it's not it's not it's it can't escape the gravity of the rom-com trope, the structure, or the look of it. And that's why I find it fascinating. Like ah uh, ah uh, wait, she's giving head to a guy in a baseball game. No, and that's what you're supposed to think is like her misunderstanding a situation is that ridiculous or the, the ridiculous thing that happens to her is a child makes her a reach a climax with like and I'm and, and I'm baffled by it and I, when I'm, you I'm it so like happy that, like, <laughs> that the movie exists in this form where it's like no one allowed like no one noted this and got these things out of it? Why? But mm. that's the thing that, like, I, I, you know, it's bad. I, I have no shame about the fact that I enjoy watching it because it's so funny. Like, oh my God, on the poster, have you guys seen the poster? No. Catherine Heigl's heart is over her shoulder. That's weird. There's nothing there. There's no, like, he's got his heart on his junk. Oh dear. But her heart, she's holding it over her shoulder. Like, what's that supposed to mean? It looks like she's throwing it away. And then he's just like, well, no, 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 my heart is... Oh my ding dong. And you're and, and, and you're like, ah, the battle of the sexes is on, as the tagline will tell us. She never does anything to impact him negatively. Oh Christ, it's hardly a battle, is it? Yeah. But again, I, I think, you know, and I think we've probably given these writers a bit of a hard poke. Mm. Um, but you know, so we, like you mentioned, George, we don't know, you know, what the director did, what the producers did, what the studio came in and told them to do, and how they've changed it. Um, but just that, and obviously I don't, maybe the writers never come up with the taglines, you know, it's like headlines in mm, no. newspapers, but just that tagline says a lot, I think, about this film, you know, the battle of the sexes is on, well, A, there is no fucking battle, and B, 
you know, yeah, they probably thought, oh, there's a great battle of the sexist film. It was not at all. It's just a piece of bullshit. Like, she gets completely steamrolled by him and his viewpoints. She wishes. Martin's just, like, struggling. <laughs> oh, I'm, I am struggling here. This is... This... This film. This film, like... I'm, I'm quite pleased I've watched it because I didn't know this sort of thing was out there and so modern. Like, yeah, you've got racism and misogyny for days in films from, like, the 30s, 40s, 50s. And that's, again, it's sign of the times. The 80s. The, the 80s is a big one for that, like, the casual classism yeah. and sexism and racism in John yeah. Hughes movies. So, I, I, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I understand... Like, like we think that things like Gone, Gone with the Wind and, you know, it's been sort of cancelled because because of what it shows. And we can respect it's a sign of the times and that's what it is. This isn't a sign of the times. Or I hope it's not because it's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. I think it is. This is the thing. We're that's living the in the worrying time thing. where they're repealing Roe v. Wade. And you're like, yeah. in 2009, Barack Obama has just been elected. And you're like... This is not the triumph that liberals think it is, in a way. You, you know, it's, it is, this is a sign of um, the sort of the shallowness and the hollowness of the, the 2000s culture. Everything post-9-11, especially post-2005, I think, like, where everything just feels like it begins to feel tacky because everyone's getting tired. And then after, you know, a couple of years, after a couple of months of Donald Trump, everyone goes like, God, I wish we had rom-coms again because I'm so stressed out and I really miss that fantasy. And you know what? I do too. But this is the sign of everything just goes completely wrong and the wheels come off the car and the rom-com meets its fiery end <laughs> because, because this was allowed to escape. It's such a fascinating artifact. And yet, you know, I can't, you know, you think about films like Twilight and the, and the sort of the crazed paranoia that, oh, this is going to so impact teenagers because it's so creepily Mormon and pro-life, not pro-choice, and so, like, creepy, like, abstinence is the only way to go and men are monsters who will kill you. And, you know, those movies and books are like that. They're also weirdly, I think, accurate about how it feels to be a teenager in love. They, especially the movies, they have a very, a very clear grasp on the intensity of those emotions. And the subtext is really unnerving but i'm not con i'm not fully convinced that the generation who swallowed them is super impacted by it but the people who went to see this movie were adults and you're like oh boy <laughs> i don't, I don't like what it says about adults it, it genuinely is worrying and the fact it was so successful it it mm. is baffling that word of mouth didn't get out that this treats or it, it puts women in such an awful light it honestly like i'm struggling for words for it because it really does shock it's me it's really upset martin it's really yes. honestly him. it has i didn't know this this was a thing i'd never heard of this film before you suggested mm -hmm. the series i didn't look into it and to know this was happening in 2009 it it oh uh, yeah i i am lost to words i mean like, i am genuinely speechless one of my favorite movies of all time is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. A movie about six brothers who kidnap six women <laughs> because their older brother just got married and they're all like, well, you know what? It's good to have a woman around the house. And I think that movie is a lot more canny than people give it credit for when they hear that, that pitch. And it is fiercely entertaining and so well but directed. But it is unavoidable that it is about women being kidnapped now but, it is set in the american west so there is a point there but and it is i think very canny about the the weird gender dynamics of the time but you know that is what it's about but that movie's from the 50s <laughs> but i think you could also anyone watching that now would kind of take it as a this is a ridiculous dramatization and it's a musical and it's a musical yeah I don't get that the truth. This isn't a dramatization. This is trying to convince you that this is what it's like. This is trying to this is what it's like people, now. Like yeah, this is what it's like now. And people like Mike Cadaway are out there, and women should want him for what he is, and women should agree with him, and men should agree with him, and that's. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm getting, like, it's, I'm going to throw up soon. Like, <laughs> it's it's the vibe of like. Have you seen Crazy Stupid Love, Martin? I don't believe so. Because uh, you have like Steve Carell and Julianne Moore get divorced and then Steve Carell meets Ryan Gosling, who is a classic 
bar crawling pickup artist and he like teaches Steve Carell the woman whispering ways and the thing about that is is like they never you know Ryan Gosling isn't out here being the worst piece of shit, but he does make jokes about like, look, the battle of the sexes is over. Once women took up like pole dancing as a form of exercise, they've lost, we've won. And you're like, okay, that's where he starts. He does end in a very more emotionally, like less horrible place. But Ryan Gosling is a God. He's like so charming. And you can, you know, you kind of want him to treat you like that. Gerard Butler treating you like that. I mean, it's like the guys you can see around our hometown who you can tell at one point in high school they were attractive and they had women falling over them and they've still somehow got some women paying attention. And you're like, I don't know if this slab of meat has a cell in his brain, but... And and Gerard Butler is, I think, I think he's a very canny actor. I think he's very aware of of his position. He's just committed to being a B movie actor, and I really respect that about him. I basically always like him when he's on screen, even though he's almost never in a good movie. Mm. But you know, he's his whole vibe here is ah, the lad you want to get a drink with. That yeah. is horrible. <laughs> mm. I'll be honest, guys. I'm burning out. I want to fucking <laughs> move on from this shit. Like, well, good. I this is going to be so fun because this is coming out the week after we do our the worst person in the world episode, um, which we've not done yet. Just got added to movie. It's going to be fun. Yo, what? next week. Sorry, I was just going to say quickly. Yeah. Obviously, like you said, we, we haven't recorded quite in order this series. Yeah. So this is episode five. We haven't recorded episode four yet. Yeah. So the previous episode we recorded was A Star Is Born. What a mm. fucking difference in quality. Like one of my favorite ever <laughs> fucking films down to this shit. Like, <laughs> I'm pissed off, George. <laughs> I'm actually pissed off. <laughs> and it's because of you, because yeah, you chose drastic. this film. You chose this film, so this one's on you. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> and of course, it's on the filmmakers. Like if they, you know, they fucking made it. If they hadn't done Australian this. Australian film director, Robert Luketic. Yeah. Who made Fuck Legally Blonde, you. which is wonderful. Fuck you, Just... Robert Luketic. I've never seen Legally Blonde <laughs> and I'm sure it is great, but fuck you. Okay, so Martin, are <laughs> I've you said high low or no art? Oh, it's, it's, it's not even no art. It's not even that. This doesn't deserve to be on the fucking scale. <laughs> it's <a> fucking <laughs> crass disgusting i don't even want to call it film or cinema because it's not that it doesn't deserve to be that it's it just, slime it should just be wiped off the face of the earth this kind of content is not okay and people shouldn't be watching it well, Done. wow <laughs> wow say what you think martin <laughs> tell um, us what you really think martin i've never got this <laughs> angry at a film appear in the ugly truth I've never got this angry at a film and I didn't expect it to happen in the romance series. I'm really curious now. I want to see if you've rated anything like lower than this. And you see know if what? I've given it one and a half. You... I think I'm going to go down to one. I think angry I'm going to go down to one. one. Yeah. <laughs> because the more we've spoken so, about it, the worse I've realized it is and the values it holds. And yeah, I just so can't gave... get on board with that at all. You gave Morbius one and a half stars. I mean, that was fucking awful. You gave Movie 43 half a star. And yeah, have you, Bono have you ever seen star. Movie 43? No. Don't. <laughs> Don't. I, you know, I can't even remember what happened there. I watched that in probably about, I did come out in 2013. And I must have watched that in 2013. And I still remembered how bad it was without remembering any of the film. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It didn't make any sense. I mean, Martin's famously not a horror guy. So there are some good movies getting low scores here, like the original Halloween oh, and Happy I, Death I just Day. I don't get it. Happy Death Day is awful. At night. And Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which is oh, a what, terrific oh, film. Oh, God. I, I haven't even watched the first Mamma Mia, but I fucking hated. First one's not good. Is that? <laughs> the second one is good. I still remember this. It, we, we'll probably cut this out because it's going. Yeah, it does have Lee James. That's a good thing. But we're probably going off topic. It's so probably get cut out. But I remember in the last scene where like Lily J, is it Lily? no Amanda Seyfried's walking down the aisle or whatever she's they're doing. They're going to baptize her. That's daughter. it. That's it. Yeah, they're going to baptize her daughter. And I said, I swear to God, if Meryl Streep shows up as a fucking ghost and only Amanda Seyfried can see, I'm gonna fucking flip because that's bullshit. And it fucking happened. 
She's a Sorry, reflection, I'm, to be fair. I'm really worked up right now. This film has like really got me going. <laughs> I love like, this. We like should do this every gosh. time. I'm not we watching should... that film ever again. We're not doing this again. <laughs> no, I mean, it's to be like, what you should do is you should just like, every time you watch a film that you don't like, you should go, well, it's not the ugly truth. <laughs> or just go like, that, you should like that... buy the DVD, smash the DVD up, like microwave it, smash it up, mix it with cocaine. And then every time you need a hit of hatred, go cocaine, ugly truth. Joe, oh, Joe, okay. I, Joe, I think we should do it right. So all our listeners out there, we're going to set up a PO box. Send any copy of the ugly truth you can find. And I will personally destroy it. So we can <laughs> remove every copy of this film out there. And I'll somehow find... Don't buy it. Yeah, don't, don't buy it Don't hand. buy it. Yeah, if it's secondhand, spend 50p because that's all anyone could ever charge for it and that's still overcharging you. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do did about Netflix. It, did you watch it through, through uh, legal channels, Martin? I did for once. <laughs> I watched it on Netflix. And you know what? I'm even going to fucking cancel Netflix this month, but I still had time to watch this shit legally, didn't I? Load of fucking <laughs> oh, thank shit. God. God. Oh my God. Do you know what? This means this is such good news for our next movie. Before I tell you what the next movie is, Joe, high, low, or no art? No art, piece of shit. Low Move. art. Thank oh, you. What you know what? So we've had two weeks oh, running now. Joe was like, oh, maybe this could be low art. And last week he was like, Star is Born could be no art and change it to high art. I'm hoping I've convinced you these last two weeks, Joe, because these will be, without a doubt, Star is Born and Ugly Truth will be the two films I feel the strongest about. There is no way any other film is going to get me either side of the spectrum as far. So I'm really happy on these two films I've convinced you. We have, you have some yeah. excellent films. This is this um, is by far, except for our bonus episode at the end of the series, this is the weakest of the series, I think. Oh, good. But There's, our next nothing episode, can be worse. Our next episode. Joe. What? What? The Holiday. The Holiday. Oh, hey. I've seen that. I've actually seen yeah. that one. That's a winner. That's good. This will be one of the films Martin's seen. It's like, I don't know, two or three of those. Yeah, it's not many in this series, is there? Wait till we get to the noir one, then I've watched a few. Uh, Oh, God, that half. Just whisper sweet nothings to me, noir series. No, The Holiday, sixth episode of the series, The Holiday, 2006 movie written and directed by Nancy Myers, starring Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Black, and Eli Wallach. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, One of your favourite movies, it seems, Joe. (laughs) Well, it'll be weird to watch it uh, going into summer rather than Christmas. Yeah, do you watch it every Christmas? More or less. Wow. Oh, boy. That on love, actually. I'm really excited. Um, I think that The Ugly Truth and The Holiday make interesting bedfellows. Well, we'll talk about that next week, George. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, until that time, it's been uh, goodbye from a gleeful George. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Oh, and a goodbye very... from Joseph. Oh, okay. And it's goodbye from a very angry Martin. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Theme song. And we're out. That was really good. <laughs> You happy, Martin? The film. I've got it off my chest. I've got it off my chest.